Spider-Verse continues to sling us into theaters. Marvel and many others opt out of San Diego Comic-Con. And we have a new Superman and Lois Lane. That news and more awaits you this week on Multiverse News. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Multiverse News, your source for information about all your favorite fictional universes. My name's Matthew Carroll, and with me today we have, from Source Pages, Haley Hobbs. How you doing, Haley? How you doing, Source Pages? <laughs> I'm fantastic. We have so much good stuff to talk about this week again. I can't wait. Yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jay Scotty St. Clair from Animation Deliberation. How you doing, Jay Scotty? I'm great. It's good to be back. Missed you guys last week, so happy to be here. Yeah, we missed you too. We missed you too, bud. Uh, and Jay Sisson from Commute the Podcast. How you doing, Jay? I'm doing well. Glad to be here. Sweet. Uh, yeah. Thanks, everybody, for hanging out last week. We had a really good week last week. Uh, a little behind the scenes. Uh, we are very thankful for everyone who's been watching the show. It's been growing at a faster rate than we've seen on a lot of podcasts. And so uh, really, really thankful. And last week, we had like a 30% jump in listeners. So if you found us last week... Welcome. Thanks for hanging out. Stick around. We got lots of uh, great stuff to cover in Multiverse News, and we're glad you're here. Thanks for, thanks for coming. You want to be ready into our first story? Oh, yeah. Let's dive mm-hmm. in. Let's do it. In a headline-gripping move from James Gunn, actors David Sweat and Rachel Brosnahan have been cast to lead his Superman legacy. The new Clark Kent and Lois Lane have some heavy lifting to do after fan-favorite Henry Cavill is no longer part of the future DCU. However, with this film slated to be the first official film under Gunn and Peter Safran's leadership, expectations are sky high. Pun intended. Are we ready for a new Man of Steel and his lady love, Lois? Uh, So these were definitely the two most popular, I think, fan castings that I saw. Um, I think this news got announced for two reasons right now. Uh, one mm-hmm. is because The Flash has had another terrible weekend. It dropped 72% at the box office since last weekend. And I think Warner Brothers is definitely trying to change the DC conversation a little bit and trying to kind of look forward to the future. Uh, another reason for this is I think just Twitter trending. Uh, James Gunn is very plugged into Twitter. And uh, after the testing that happened for these two roles, uh, the reports that came out were that Corrin Sweat tested with all of the potential Loises and Emma Mackey uh, tested with all of the potential Superman. And so you had trending on Twitter, David Corrin Sweat and Emma Mackey. And I think James Gunn is very uh, plugged into this 
to the Twitter reverse and he's always responding to people and quashing rumors. And I think he saw that and he was like, I've got to get ahead of this before people start, you know, Photoshopping Emma Mackey as Lois Lane and, <laughs> and all this stuff. And um, as far as the casting goes, I mean, I think it is an interesting pair. Um, I do. I don't. I'm not super familiar with uh, David Cornsweet. I mean, he looks like Superman. Uh, I think <laughs> people uh, tend to like him that are, are follow things that he's been in. But um, I did uh, at the recommendation of this podcast start the marvelous mrs mazel last week uh it is fantastic and rachel brosnahan just steals every scene that she's in uh, in that show so um i'm i'm in for that i think it's an interesting casting i think it sets up this movie uh really well uh and um you know uh, the, but like you said in the intro there's a lot at stake here uh for uh for dc going forward with this with this pair there's a lot riding on their shoulders for sure uh, i did see trending on twitter hashtag not my superman so uh you know you've already got the you've already yeah. got the uh the snyderverse uh uh is out in full force uh, against uh, the new james gunn dcu but um, but uh, poor, for me, I, I'm excited. Uh, I loved Henry Cavill as Superman, but that doesn't mean I can't be excited for uh, what's coming next. Mm. Matt and I have been calling for Rachel Brosnahan as soon as we saw these casting rumors. And she's the thing I'm most excited about because I don't know David Cornsweet from anything. But if you want a fast-talking, wise-cracking, smart-as-a-whip newswoman, Rachel Brosnahan's your girl to play that exact role because she's so damn good in The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. She Absolutely. delivers lines written by Amy Sherman Palladino, who wrote Gilmore Girls with perfection. And they do... Um, the kind of scripts where you have to do word-perfect delivery, so everything has to be said exactly how it's written. She's such a talent. She's, I think, got a theater background, um, and she was in House of Cards. Uh, I just, I'm so jazzed to see her get this really huge spotlight. I mean, Maisel is extremely popular, but it's over now, and uh, I was real sad it was over, but hey, let's go, Rachel. Yeah. I'm 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 right with you about Rachel Brosnahan. You know that I'm. You, you said uh, that I am, and I agree with you that I am. Uh, but <laughs> it's a little weird, though. The thing about Rachel Brosnahan in this role, it's a little weird because, like, she almost feels like too much like Lois Lane in her role. Like, it's so perfect, but it's like an old school Lois Lane. Does that make sense? Like, she talk. She has that sort of mid Atlantic thing going. Like, she <laughs> feels like a 1940s Lois Lane or something. Like. That if they just transplant her character, but I don't think that's what they're going to do. I think they're going to like, uh, I don't know when they're setting this movie, but I'm assuming it's going to be more modern day and they're going to update her character a little bit. So it almost feels like she's a perfect casting for like the cartoon version of like Lois Lane. But also I love her in what she does on Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. So like, I'm in, I'm a hundred percent in, but it's like, it's hard for me to view her uh differently than Maisel and Maisel is almost too on the nose. So like I want I want them to twist her a little bit and make her do something a little different. I want to see something else pulled out of her uh for that role than just because it'll feel out of time almost. Mm. Which maybe that's what he's going yeah. for. I, I have no idea what legacy is going to be about. I don't know. I, I mean I think she can translate it really well. Um Amy Adams never felt quite right to me in that role and so I, this just already feels better, but I hear what, mm -hmm. I hear what you're saying. Like Maisel would be right on the nose. That wouldn't be great, but she doesn't talk like that in real life. She has a much more right. measured sure. voice. Um, I think she can flow into it really well. Yeah, yeah. she can do no wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think the postulation about like what time period this is going to be set in is pretty interesting because I am not 
as familiar with Rachel Brosnahan. I have not seen The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, but I've only heard the highest praise. Um, I did see her in House of Cards, and I think it's interesting hearing that uh, she's got kind of like this mid-Atlantic thing going for her. And I do agree with you, Matt. I think um, just like Batman the Animated Series has been like the definitive version of Batman, James Gunn very much might be looking towards like Superman the Animated Series or some of these depictions that have been a little more timeless because the familiarity I do have with David Sweat is from the Ty West A24 film, Pearl, which was set in the early 1900s. And um, the role that he played did not really give me any indication that he might be a good Superman or not. He kind of plays an unsavory character, but he does feel like right of that time. And it's, it's very much a period piece. And he's got kind of a similar vibe going for him, kind of like this slick guy from the city coming to the small town, which maybe he can kind of reverse that and be the, the guy from the, the Kansas, you know, Smallville going to Metropolis. And maybe that'll play really well. Um, I, I do want to make mention that, uh, Jay, I, I, th- I think you're right on the money. The timing of this, um, it does feel like it just kind of came out of the blue because we were preparing for this show like we always do every week, and then they just dropped this news. And I, I can kind of see, you know, the, the strings behind the puppeteer. It's like, okay, James Gunn is starting to get some flack because he vouched for The Flash and the conversation about The Flash. Like, you know, I've been on record. I think there are some enjoyable things about The Flash, and I think the flack that it's getting is a little unwarranted, but it definitely makes sense that it would be like, look away from this negativity and let's look towards the future Mm -hmm. and something positive. Yeah, absolutely. Big news is really, really huge. I mean, like we're, we're sitting here talking about the new like flagship characters from the DCU. I'm excited to see where this goes. Uh, One other thing I did want to mention though, is we're going to talk about uh, some James Bond auditions and stuff like that in the past, but not to be jingoistic or anything like that, but I like the fact that we're returning to an American person playing Superman because comic books are very much an American creation and the English, you know, our, our British viewers, I love you, but they've been on record for like the day James Bond is cast as an American is the day we riot. But here on the other side, our superheroes <laughs> constantly get cast as Brits and we, we don't really complain about it that much. So just had to say that. It's, it's nice. Yeah. Right in time for the 4th of July, baby. <laughs> Let freedom ring. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> America. Yeah. <laughs> Scotty's going to like slowly just like wear more and more flag paraphernalia <laughs> in his uh, background and on his clothing every week. I'll find you a Kansas shirt okay. and send it to you, Scoots. <laughs> <laughs> Up next, in a rare, shocking moment this year, Marvel, Netflix, Sony, HBO, and Universal are all declining to host big presentations at this year's San Diego Comic Con. There are many reasons motivating these departures, chiefly the uncertainty due to the writer's strike. But does this lack of involvement from the heavy hitters downgrade SDCC? This is a bummer for people who look forward to these things. We were kind of going to plan a whole like week of shows around it, mm-hmm. so I guess we don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> but the first thing I think of when I see this news is how all of these corporations, I guess I'll just call them, are already doing their own kinds of things to announce their slates. So they're all moving away from doing it all together at one place, which would be San Diego Comic-Con, kind of centering it on their brand and making it a big deal on, in their own right. And so I think the writer strike is a big part of this, but I think that is actually the real reason. Uh, we have our Disney Plus Day and the stuff that they hopefully will do better this year um, around that. But all of these... All of these streaming services, all these media companies, they are trying to differentiate themselves 
and getting together on a stage in California isn't really going to do it for them anymore. And so I, I think that's the driving factor. And I think it sucks in a way, but too, like, Marvel's kind of in this, Marvel especially, is in this state of unrest a little bit. They've got some people with some allegations against them. They've got the writer's strike. They've already pushed their slate back. Mm. What are they going to talk about? So why are they going to spend a ton of money? Why did I say it like that? Money. money. <laughs> I'm going to take that again. <laughs> <laughs> no, keep it. Keep it. Keep it. <laughs> Why are they going to spend a ton of money to go to SDCC and put on this huge presentation when they don't really have anything new to share? Mm-hmm. I, I think the internet is where this stuff really flourishes. The news flourishes on the internet. That's where you're going to trend. You're going to hit massive more amounts of people. But you can't create moments like Loki or like um, Tom Hiddleston coming in character as Loki or like things like that that you just don't get from them having their own events. Yes, they could come, but like getting a room as big as Hall H excited about your character in that moment creates these viral moments that can't happen in the same way. They feel forced or, um, you know, just part of their marketing machine when it's at their own event. They're too controlled. Like part of the fun of these is to step out in an uncontrolled setting and say, this is our character. This room full of people that's waiting on the next panel needs to be excited about it. You know, uh, yeah, it, it, it's a bummer that those kind of moments will happen less if this continues to be a trend. Yeah, I mean, look at what we just talked about. We just announced the casting for Superman Legacy, which was announced by The Hollywood Reporter. And then James Gunn tweeted it and said, yep, this is true. Like, yeah. think about that happening and then how that would have happened four years ago. They would have brought Dave and Corn Sweat and Rachel Brosnahan out on stage and people would have been going nuts. And that would have been the first time that they would have confirmed it. So, you know, yeah. you're kind of, I mean, we're seeing exactly what the problem is, is it's bigger than the writer's strike. It's, I mean, that's obviously part Part of it like marvel studios can't come out and do a panel i mean they don't everything they've announced is just stuff that's has come to a halt because of the writer strike but overall it's just it's this bigger thing of well we're just going to kind of control the the narrative around the content that we're going to release and we're going to control all those stories and we're not going to do the whole comic-con thing so if people are into comic-con you know it's going to to survive that event is going to have to lean more it's going to have to lean away from that stuff it's going to have to lean more into like the cosplay and the like exclusive things that you can get at comic-con and the events and um, i did read that a lot of these studios will have presences on the floor you know at these places but there's just not the same as the panels that people come for so it's uh, it's definitely going to be some uncharted territory for uh, for comic-con yeah. mm. this may or may not be an apt analogy or not but i can't help but like notice the parallels between like the streaming wars like netflix used to be the end-all be-all and that's kind of what san diego comic-con was like if you were going to make a big announcement about any of these franchises we were talking we talk about you were going to do it at comic-con and do it at hall h and it just feels like everybody is like kind of like taking their toys and going to their corner and just like we've, we've seen with these all these streaming platforms. And I think it might go a similar route where we're going to see some be more successful than others. And maybe once we see who the winners and losers are, maybe we'll see a return back to San Diego Comic-Con. And, you know, maybe there's a silver lining. I've heard some people come out of the woodwork they think san diego comic-con kind of lost something when it moved away from the comics because that's very much where its roots were it's in the name comic-con it was a comic book convention so maybe it'll become something more special for those those fans again but um i don't know it's it's still very early on for this one and i think it's an emerging trend and we'll see what happens indeed 
All right, next up, amid newer movies debuting at the box office, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is still webbing up huge numbers, crossing $500 million at the global box office and reclaiming the number one spot. This news is coupled by an article from last week citing more than 100 of the artists who worked on the movie left due to unrealistic expectations, working conditions, low pay, and micromanagement. Will this controversy slow Spidey's climb, or is it too late to bring down the webhead? Yeah, I I don't want to take anything away from the animators. We've talked a lot about how VFX artists and animators are kind of an underappreciated workforce. Um, And we've seen it not just in movies, we've seen it in video games. We've heard a lot about crunch and some like ridiculous demands when it comes to the workload there. So um, I do feel for the animators, um, especially with this movie's being so successful maybe there's an opportunity to look at the way they're being treated and uh you know maybe bring more people on but i also have to say like i love this movie so much it's it's really exciting to see it doing so well and even with that you know unfortunate news there was also some uh interesting news that came out from one of the editors that said there's currently two versions of spider-verse in theaters right now and i think he said the major difference was like there was um some differences in dialogue. I haven't been able to dive in quite enough to determine what exactly those differences are. I've already seen it twice in theaters. I don't know if I'll go back a third time, but if I can find um, a friend that hasn't seen it yet and really wants to, I could probably be coerced to go see it one more time. (laughs) Um, But yeah, uh, especially, you know, with the box office story with uh, the flash and elemental kind of being disappointments to have a movie emerge, uh, so clearly as as like the winner here i'm glad that it's a movie that i really enjoyed and a movie that i want to see do so successfully there's been a lot of conversation about superhero fatigue and i think if people look at the success of this movie and how it's been able to permeate not just the diehard fans but target that four quadrant audience i i think that there's some lessons to be learned there and it could bode well for all comic book related and superhero content going forward this movie is clearly striking a real chord with a whole bunch of people And I love that for it in a time where um, maybe some of our live action stuff isn't hitting on all cylinders like we want it to, animation might be rising to the top. And I think that's awesome for the medium. Um, Don't know enough about what the artists are saying to have a real hard take on it. I think that's unfortunately some of the game right now, though, like, like you said, and we're in a like a time where people are just craving this content. They're craving it and they're clamoring for it and then they're tearing it down at the same time and they're either tearing it down from inside or tearing it down from outside and it's kind of like, ugh, stop. Enjoy it. I mean, I don't know if that made sense, but that's what came into my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the article about the working conditions, it, it paints um, a picture that we have seen painted before of uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, which is that it was this, there was reports that came out around a couple of their films. Like the Lego movie was another one that there was a lot of micromanagement. There was a lot of like finishing entire things and then demanding that they be completely scrapped and done again in different ways on these like very tight schedules. Now, Sony, and this is what was concerning to me. And I feel like it was a very good look in the article uh, is Sony's response which, I mean, we just saw the numbers. We know the movie's doing good. But Sony's response, I think it was Amy Pascal said, uh, I think she said something like, welcome to working in a movie <laughs> or something like that. What? So it's like, it's basically wow. like, <laughs> they're basically doubling down on that idea of like, 
too bad, you know. So um, pay is not great in this field. Uh, demands are incredibly high. We're seeing the same with VFX. The way that these things are contracted is crazy. Like the way that they contract VFX is they'll call up a VX, VFX company. They'll say, hey, we're going to have you bid on this like 2,000, uh, you know, 2,000 frames or whatever that we're going to have you work on. And then they accept it, but then they don't know what those 2,000 frames are. So they start looking through them and it's like, it may be practically nothing. It may just be like not a lot of work or it may be like, holy crap, these like mm-hmm. half of these frames require an insane amount of work, but they're still right. due at this like super crunched time. And, and to clarify, I don't know. think it's frames, it's shots. Right. So like yeah. a shot can be... 20 seconds long or it can be one second long. So frame mm-hmm. in, frame is one, a one frame, but like it can be a really complicated VFX shot and it's 2000 shots. You don't know what it is. And it's like crazy. Yeah. I mean, I think you could even see the momentum around VFX and uh, animation and the video game industry and all these types of things. I think you really could see a lot of people in that industry following the same path that the writers are following right now and trying to bring down a lot of these productions through strikes. Um, I think I think you could see that type of thing happen. Uh, <clears throat> one last thing is that this article did mention that they haven't done anything for the next Spider-Verse movie yet. <laughs> like, I don't know if you caught that. Like, that movie's not coming out next year. Like, there's no way <laughs> that it's coming oh, out next no. year. Uh, like, I just, I think we all assumed that they made them at the same time. Yeah. And then in this yeah. article... I think there was a it, report that said that. Yeah, well, in this article, it kind of painted a different picture that they don't really have anything started with the next movie. Uh, I I think Haley Steinfeld came out and said she hasn't recorded any voice lines for it at all. Um, And she spent like four years recording voice lines for this last one. So yeah, it's, I don't think that movie's happening next year. I think like we'll be reporting very soon that this movie has gotten pushed back and not just pushed Mm -hmm. back like a bit, like pushed back a lot. I saw a social media Mm -hmm. post that made it look like it was a letter from Sony animation. I just didn't know how legit it was. And it was saying, Mm -hmm. uh, june or july of 2026 yeah i think that's that's not real i think that's been debunked but sony did claim two marvel dates in the future like i could foreseeably see them just using one of those for spider-verse and just kicking the can Mm. a little bit down the road Mm. so i unfortunately i don't think the whole working conditions of it all i don't think we're going to see a lot of change in that area i mean because the money speaks for itself it's not like people are not going to these movies they they want to go to these movies and um vfx is kind of lumped into that as well as you you see a lot more conversation around vfx now especially with marvel and i think like a lot with the flash like there was a lot of conversation around the special effects in the flash so if those conversations continue to grow and grow and grow i think that's the only way you're going to see these types of things change when it comes to just like working conditions Mm mm-hmm I want to clarify. I feel like I came off as that too bad sector, and that's not what I meant at all. Mm, mm. <laughs> um, because I absolutely <laughs> think people should be paid for their oh, yeah. work. I just think that, like to Scotty's point about streaming wars, there's these movie wars as well right now, and there's just a race to the box office and a race to get things done because they think the audiences want it so much because we're saying we do, but then we turn around and we yeah yeah about stuff like this. Maybe not in Spider Verse, obviously it was stellar, but. You know, the VFX and the Flash, people just ranted and raved about. Well, they didn't rave, they just ranted. And uh, that was my point, was more like, if we could, if we, the audience, could, like, slow down a little bit and wait for something and let the artists have time to do their work, 
but I don't see that slowing down the industry. Well, to your point, we're right in the midst of the writer's strike right right now, which is impacting some of our favorite live action movies, and people are scared and up in, up in arms and concerned about that. But it, if you want to keep seeing these Mario's, if you want to keep seeing Spider Verse, these movies that are absolute like runaways, and it's as an animation fan, it's awesome to see that. But if these artists aren't getting treated the way that they need to be, the same thing's going to happen there. And animation takes a lot longer. So if they get delayed, it's going to be even worse. Mm. Yeah. We talked way back when the writer's strike happened. I talked about the pay equity issue in this country that's happening. Mm. And like, even in my town and three of the hospitals owned by the, um, their nurses were striking today. And so it's like, there's, there's a problem going on and there's a lot of greed, unfortunately. Well, it's a problem for sure, but it's also the fact that we're seeing all of these, uh, actions being taken is a sign that the power is starting to rest back in the hands of the worker a little bit. Uh, you know, and that, you know, there, there's been a lot of things and uh, I won't get too political or like whatever. There's a lot of things going on in, in other kinds of strikes that are not so good. Like the government, uh, Supreme court making certain decisions. There's a, whatever. Yeah. I, I forget what, what it was, but they made a recent decision that basically said that like, the concrete workers were like responsible for the losses of the company because they striked, which is like, no, you don't like get guaranteed whatever. It's, it's crazy. Um, but so there's, there's good things and bad things happening. And that pushback is coming because there's a lot of strikes happening because a lot of people, and I think the pandemic had a lot to do with this. A lot of people just started to value, um, things above work, you know, started to mm -hmm. see their lives differently. A lot of people worked from home and got more time with their families and, um, you know, it's just, it's just, it's really changed the dynamic of labor in this country. And so like these high profile entertainment ones, uh, are sort of, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're the ones in the forefront, but there's a lot of labor action happening all over the place. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I do support it. It's, it's always hard to know. Cause I, I, I'm, I'm kind of a, I'm, I'm sort of a power realist. I think that like, there's no right amount to pay these people there's obviously like the idea of a living wage that people need to be paid, but like, it's like you, you get as much as you can get, like, you know, and it's like collectively bargaining is the way you get the most, you know, for everybody. Um, and so they're doing the right thing. It's just at the same time, at some point I want these movies to come yeah, out. Of course, <laughs> so I of want course. people to like, <laughs> they like, I, w I want people to come to, to come to the table and come to deals and yeah. negotiate these problems through, you know? Yeah. Okay. Up next. Uh, after a huge rebrand and launch of their streaming service, Warner Brothers Discovery is negotiating a $500 million deal to sell nearly half of its film, TV, and music publishing assets for around $500 million. This seems like an odd way to gain consumer confidence after just launching the Max brand for streaming. What's up, Warner Bros? I find this fascinating. First of all, $500 million box office for Spider-Verse, $500 million for Warner Brothers' collection of assets. So there's a lot of money in Hollywood right now, <laughs> is what that tells me. But Warner Brothers just did this. They had the huge acquisition of Discovery. They did this gigantic rebrand and kind of their own little Hall H for max there you all i said it are you happy now um <laughs> which was like received kind of what other people were just like okay i guess that's what it is now you know they kind of just went on with their lives is what i've observed of it at least and so now they're like selling it what, what are they doing i really don't understand what's going on 
So I don't really understand, but it says they're selling their muse, uh, film, TV, music, and publishing assets. Does that mean things they have the rights to? I think a lot of it comes down to music. I think it's a it's a high degree of their music library. So like songs associated with Batman or something like that. Like that would be an example of something that would be sold in this transaction that we have going on here. So I think a lot of it has to do with with specifically music around a lot of their properties. Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't understand if it was like future things to be published, kind of like how we just got the publishing or like the um what was it? the distribution rights for Hulk came back to Marvel. Uh, if it's like future publishing or if it means like things they own, like songs and movies they've already produced. I was thinking this might be sort of a, we, it, this is related to the purge, right? We've talked, we talked to the, what is it? The, the merge purge. The merge purge. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've talked about the merge purge and how that always happens. Now they have all this content that maybe doesn't have a home because they merge purged. And so maybe that has to go somewhere and they'd rather sell it for profit now while it's still valuable than, you know, lose it all together or something. I don't know. Had to dig into the deal, I guess. Now it's even weirder to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, I think some of these companies, and I think this is going to happen over the industry, like for the last, however long we've had, the internet has made it possible for more things to be made by more companies and streaming services pop up and they spend millions of dollars trying to like, the internet in general is built on this sort of house of cards that's like, <laughs> you run as fast as you can until you run out of money, and hopefully you learn to make money in the process. Like, you just ask, ask rich people for money, and then you go as fast and as far as you can, and hopefully learn a business model on the way. Mm -hmm. And like, some of these streaming services have been doing that. And so, like, a lot of stuff gets made and then just dies on the vine because no one wants to support it, you know? Um, and so, I think that, like, maybe this is a result of that to some degree, all these merge purges, like, because so much stuff's been made and now they're going to have to be like, okay, there's so many shows, but the market is really only supporting this many of this quality of work. So, we're going to have to start picking and choosing what we're creating. I can't just make a seven new Netflix originals every week. It's not, it's not sustainable. Right. Um, we need to like start yeah. focusing on the ones that are actually, actually making decisions, making creative decisions instead of just like acquisition, acquisition, acquisition. Yeah. 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 Exactly. I don't know how well it, it ties into this particular story, but just with this whole notion of merge purges and which streaming services are doing well and which ones aren't um, something I came across that I think would be interesting to you, Matt. And I don't think it made its way onto the lightning round is Paramount Plus actually had like a number of high profile uh, TV shows that got the axe. I know one was um, one was a Star Trek the, show. A Star Trek Prodigy, yeah, the animated show that got yep. one season and had a second season in production. And I know the other one was like a Grease prequel series focusing on the Pink Ladies. If I'm even getting that that right. Oh, that one got axe yeah. too. I just saw the commercial for that like three weeks yeah. ago. Yeah. So. <laughs> Dang. The times they are changing. The times they are changing. Yeah, the this this it's really sad about Prodigy. Although in the same way, they it's a merge purge. They got rid of Pro Star Trek Prodigy. Um, I believe it might even be being taken off the streaming service. But they're looking. They're right now sure. shopping it to be sold to other places. Yeah. So a lot of these things are going to look for homes, and hopefully the good stuff will keep homes and be able to keep making. Yeah, money. and if I'm not mistaken, the first season aired on Nickelodeon. So I don't see why it has to be beholden to a mm -hmm. streaming service. Like if there was an audience there on Nickelodeon that still has like cable TV, just put it. If it's already been made and it's in production, just put it on Nickelodeon. Yeah, that's been my my big thing for Star Trek. Is like Star Trek means a lot to yeah. me. Like it's a 
I always get to talk about it in the lightning round, but now we're talking about it in a real uh, segment. So I'm going to talk about sure. Star Trek for a minute without the without the the weight of the lightning round pressing down upon me. Um, <laughs> no, I, Star Trek means a ton to me. Not only in a like this is a fun show, but like it helps me like build who I am. Mm. A lot of like what I believe about science and logic and like even morality, like all of that is a lot of is built on Star Trek stuff that I learned from Star Trek. It really feels like I mean there are books called that. Uh, I think there's books like all the things I learned from Star Trek. Uh, um, but like, uh, I love Star Trek and one of my biggest criticisms the last few years is they have really taken the show in darker directions, <laughs> particularly the, the live action stuff has been darker and darker. A couple of, a couple of seasons ago, there was like people holding up baby heads, oh like decapitated. Wow. Like it was really dark stuff. Klingons were like, we've killed the successors to the throne. And then they reveal <laughs> it was fake. But still you watch that scene and you're like, ah, oh, you can't show that to a child. Like it's terrible. Um, anyway, the, the stuff like that, like they just went darker and darker and darker to the point that like, you can't, I like Star Trek because my parents watched sure. it and I would sit down and hate it. I would be like, what is this nerdy show? I'm three. This isn't fun enough for me. And then over time I started to love it and like started to love certain characters. And then I got invested and now I'm a big Star Trek fan, you know, 30 years later, 30, so many, so many years <laughs> later. Um, but <laughs> sorry, turning 40 like next month and I'm feeling it. Um, but the, the the lack of shows like that has bothered me because Star Trek meant so much to me. I want it to be able to mean much to future generations. I wanted to be able to show it to my niece and stuff. And like Prodigy was my opportunity to do that. Yeah. And she loved Prodigy. And so finally I was getting this like crossover experience where a show I loved and she could love too. And it was about those classic Star Trek morality tales. And I loved it. And then it, it it's now gone from yeah. Paramount Plus at least. And to correct what you said, it's actually finished. Season two is right. done. They're, they've finished production. So it's just now looking for a home f- to go somewhere. Yeah, and for all the reasons you brought up, I hope it does find a show. But I think Paramount Plus is shooting itself in the foot because I don't know what the general interest in Paramount Plus is there. It's not one that I'm going to go out and subscribe mm-hmm. to, but it was the home for all Star Trek. If you're a Star Trek fan, you know you can find all it Star is, Trek yeah. here. And now one of those series is not going to be there. Like, what are you thinking? Like, why? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's the problem with having it on Paramount Plus to begin sure. with, because how many children are sure. on Paramount Plus? The thing about like all of these properties, they survive the generations by children getting it introduced and the next generation of kids growing up loving it. And like right now, Star Trek has this like absence sure. of that, except for Prodigy, um, that you have only has two. Well, it only has one season so far. It came across two years. We make fun of it all the time on the Star Trek Universe podcast. We always make fun of like, are, we're, we're like season 16 now, right, of Prodigy? Because it feels like it's been on forever, but it's technically one season because they split it up over multiple okay. years. Um, anyway, I'll stop talking about Star Trek. I love you all. I feel, I feel thank you, thank you for putting up with me. <laughs> go follow the Star Trek Universe podcast. <laughs> yeah, if, if you didn't hate that, go, go listen to the Star Trek Universe podcast. <laughs> I'm not uh, saying this is because, but we just jumped up three viewers after we stopped talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm up next. Kidding. We'll dance the dance that brung us. Marvel's <laughs> newest t- television property, Secret Invasion, landed on Disney Plus last Wednesday. The show quickly garnered praise, but also severe backlash when it was announced that the opening credits were generated by artificial intelligence. Director Ali Salim confirmed the news, but stated that he believed the AI-generated opening sequence 
helps better capture the themes of the show. While this caused a lot of hubbub on the internet, the artists hired also confirmed they utilized AI to meet the show's creative demands. As Thanos would ask, where's the balance? (laughs) I cannot believe that they greenlit this because within the past, not even just this year, which first of all, like the timing of this could not be worse. We just got done (laughs) talking about the writer strike, the VFX artists are overworked, the the animation uh, sector, all their workers are overworked. Everybody's going on strike, like everybody's leaving their jobs. And you're going to make the opening title sequence and Marvel gets all this backlash about their VFX now in phase four. And you're going to make the opening sequence by not using actual animators to make it you're going to use ai to make it like who thought that that was a good idea like why would you even take the shot and do that uh because even within not even this year if you decided to do this five years ago it would have been negatively received then too like this is no time in the past five years people were either going to like not care about it at all and be like whatever or they were going to get mad so it's like, why, why would you even do this uh, in the first place? And also, like, it doesn't even look that good, if we're being honest. Uh, it, it, I don't think the opening sequence looks that great. Uh, I, if you want to do the whole, like, I don't buy the whole, well, we're trying to kind of make it for the show and the themes of the show or whatever. Like, why can an artist not do that? You know, if you want to give off the creepy, like, well, is it a human or an alien? Why can an artist not do that? I, I think an artist at this point and where AI is right now could do that much better and convey any feelings and subtleties and nods that you want to convey in your opening sequence. I I think an artist could convey that a lot better than AI at this point, at least where AI is. So uh, to me, I, I can't believe that this has become the story. I mean, a lot happened on Secret Invasion this week. There were shocking moments. It was a good intro episode. And the only thing we're talking about and the media is talking about is the title sequence and the AI. Mm. So it's just, I, I can't believe that this happened just for, for all these reasons. Like the, the tone deafness that it sort of conveys is just, just astounding to me that it ever made it out in the first place. The act, the labor activists are killing it this week though. With like, <laughs> as soon as anything's popular, they're like, AI generated and they're like spider verse was you know <laughs> terrible conditions like it's just like throwing it you know i mean and this i is think really their week <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, they're big in the news this week i mean it's really like a big issue and they are like doing a good job of capitalizing on moments like this they made marvel fear ever doing that again because we weren't talking most of the news wasn't talking this week about how crazy it was that this or that happened in this show they were talking about the opening credits being you know scabs like what (laughs) they're kind of this kind of plays into we've talked about marvel seems like they're experimenting with things like with dropping echo all at once at the end of this year um we've talked about some other things i can't recall at the moment i thought the credits looked cool when i saw them they're kind of salvador dolly-esque that surrealism type of art but to your point jay somebody else could have done that um i think too this is maybe a little bit of their response to they got a ton of bad press about their vfx working conditions and paying people poorly did they think in their mind this might be a way to hey we're still using people and it was their idea we just told them what we wanted and they made it happen is kind of their spin and it's not a bad spin but it does just kind of leave you with this a little bit of a bad taste in your mouth about that 
not about the show. The show's incredible. <laughs> I guess I'll be the devil's advocate here, and I'll start off by saying I, for one, welcome our robot overlords. But uh, you know. <laughs> uh, you're just saying that to save yourself when yeah, they come for you. Coming for you first, Scotty. <laughs> yep, no. yep. Uh, let's see if the, let's see if the workers or the computers get here first for Scotty. <laughs> No, but I I agree with everything that's been brought up. I think it it speaks to a lack of awareness and certainly being pretty tone deaf, especially with all these conversations we've had. But I think the outrage around this headline kind of does speak to a general lack of understanding of exactly what AI is in an artistic sense at this point in time, because it's at this point, it's still a tool. Is it, you know, growing very rapidly and evolving every day? Yes, it is. Machine learning is, is incredible in that regard. But um, they've come out and said, uh, the people behind the show and the FX agency that they contracted to create these opening credits, like nobody lost their job over this. And whether or not you think they look good or bad, I, I think I fall somewhere in the, in the middle. I like the aesthetic in terms of like shape shifting and being unsure and being otherworldly, like that works for me. But even the aesthetic that they achieved there ai is not at the point especially in motion graphics yes still imagery we've seen that all over the place but when it comes to having actually something moving it requires a lot of input from a lot of people so it was a very um iterative process like they had to okay let's put Mm -hmm. this in let's see what that does and let's continue to manipulate this and at some point you know artists did have to go in and manipulate certain things to achieve the exact look that they were looking for so um again in the grand grand narrative Probably not the smartest move, but I I do think the outrage is a little over the top. I understand why people are upset. I understand why people are concerned. But again, let's, you know, take this all in stride. Let's look at all the facts. And AI is a tool. It's, you know, we can use it responsibly or irresponsibly. But I also think, like, being completely against it is is kind of a futile effort. Like, it has the potential to make things better. If, if we use it yep. correctly. You're not welcome in my bunker, okay. Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree with you, yeah. Scotty. I, I said this the, the week we covered the writer strike first and that being part of their thing was that they didn't want AI used at all. And it's like, st- that's just out of, like, even if it's not used by the company, like writers may turn around and just use it. Like AI is just a thing now. And like, it's a tool that exists. And if you don't get on board and trying to use it, you're going to kind of get left behind in not using it. Because like, the writer that writes like, oh why does that writer write so fast like he's just so much faster than me he's always putting out four scripts a week it's like well he used a little help yeah. there like you know like you just don't you just don't know what the people yeah. are doing and like i think that ai is just going to be a tool that's going to be used um but if we as a as a society i my fear with ai is not it taking jobs even because it's a tool and if, if it's possible it probably will my fear with ai is it's it's just recycling human emotion and human art instead of creating new art based on real humanity and so like as a society if we all decide I, when i watch a uh you ever watch youtube videos and it's like i surprised my wife with this prank and then halfway through you realize it's fake <laughs> Like you realize, oh, she's definitely in on it. She's a bad sure. actress. Like this isn't a prank. Sure. This is a this is a video where she has a particular response. Oh, she twisted the prank on him. Like no, that was the plan. It's it's just a video. Right. And, and it, then you feel that like, ooh, this isn't reality. This is like this is a script, and I don't like it anymore. Mm. You know, there's that pullback. You like this is you literally have people. One of the top comments on YouTube is like fake, and like you know people just like <laughs> and like it, AI feels that way. 
And I think it always will. And I think if no one knew these were AI credits, we'd probably all be like, yeah, that was pretty cool. But knowing yeah. that they're AI credits makes it be like they're, they feel soulless now because you know a computer went like beep, boop, beep. This is what humans will like. Instead of like a human going like this elicits a reaction in me, I'm going to uh, whatever. But I hear you, Jay Scotty. It was probably a lot more complicated process than that, than beep, boop, beep. <laughs> You got to get a PR person in the room. You know, it's like, yeah. I, I wonder if in the room, because I hear what you guys are saying. I think you're right. And I think you're right. I mean, I think this is a tool that's going to be used going forward, whether we like it or not. And, um, you, but you got to have that person in the room saying like, okay, I hear what you're saying, but like, how is the media going to react to this? And how are fans going to react to this? And, and I wonder if there was that person in the room and, <laughs> nobody listened to them or if just that person in the room wasn't there but you gotta have one of those people in the room because the narrative got written for them i can't do that dave sorry i had to do, i had to do the hell 9000 <laughs> that's kind of the theme of these stories that we're reporting and the stuff we're talking about is where is that voice are they being so completely shuttered by the marvel machine or by these other ones maybe they need to grab dc's pr person that kept ezra miller to the background i don't know it <laughs> because that is something you're communicating to a vast vast audience and if you don't have someone calling you on the shit then you're not really staying in touch with your constituents Mm-hmm. Is you or ain't you my constituents? <laughs> <laughs> Every time I hear constituents, I immediately go to a brother where art thou for whatever reason. <laughs> so so, so good. Much. It's one of the best movies of the last century. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's wonderful. <laughs> or this century? What was that movie? What was that movie made? Two thousand? I think it was a year. I don't know. It's a good question. Two thousand one? Yeah. If it made it into this century, it was right on the the cusp. It's it's a cuspy movie. <laughs> IMDb. Okay, hold on. In that same vein, in She Hulk, Marvel totally showed that they're kind of in tune. So mm. it's weird. It's kind of a weird thing that they have going right now. Oh, yeah. brother, where art thou? Is the year two thousand? I'll take movie release dates for two hundred, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, your prize is I'll let you be in my bunker when the robots come up, take mm, over. <laughs> it's nice. not Alex anymore, and uh, it's not Pat Sajak oh, either. Did you see the news? Did you see the news? No, no. Ryan no, Seacrest is the new host of Wheel of Fortune. Oh, wow. You're lying. Wow. I'm not lying, I swear. Ryan Seacrest. Ryan effing Seacrest. That makes sense. I like it. But Vanna White will be there forever because she's a cyborg. <laughs> but he does like everything. Like he's he's on everything. Like you know that scene in Breaking Bad where Jesse's like, he can't keep getting away with this. Like that's how I feel about Ryan Seacrest being the host of Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> he is yeah. our robot overlord. Yeah. <laughs> what we don't know is he's the first uh, actor to have signed like an AI contract where they just have copied him and they're just putting him on all kinds of things, and he's just a CGI generated. We are in the Hunger Games. First episode of Black Mirror from this season. That's exactly what it's about. Ooh. AI-generated actors. Okay. Uh, up next, we have the Spotify poll for the week. Um, we, we asked, uh, which I thought this was kind of fun. We did something a little different. Instead of a poll, uh, which I've already said poll twice, but it's not a poll. It's the uh, Spotify question of the week was, what was your first movie that you saw in theaters? Uh, we got a lot of responses that I think feel like were like, uh, very notable, like E.T. A couple people said E.T. A couple people said Jurassic Park. Um, those were fun. The ones that, The ones that got me were like... 
we have a lot of young people listening. Uh, and welcome, <laughs> welcome, welcome, youngins. Uh, welcome, young blood. Welcome to um, the millennial and multiverse news. <laughs> yeah. No, but we had someone say that their first, uh, this is Captain NL says, my first movie was Spider-Man No Way Home. Great movie with a great what? plot. No Way Home. First <laughs> movie. Write into us and tell us is, your age, but not yeah, for creepy reasons. Is, I'm just curious. Is that a combination <laughs> of them being somewhat younger and streaming have dominated like so much of their early viewing experience that they never had a reason to rush That's out a, to the theater good question plus you had yeah. the covid years you know kind of mm-hmm. shot a hole yeah. right in the middle of all that yeah we talked about the kids who've never seen their older brothers and sisters go see movies but there's also the kids who were like right about to go see movies and then like covid happened and shut everything down and then they they probably made it to like 10 before they went to see their first movie mm. which is crazy mm. yeah <clears throat> i don't know if that's late or early i don't know when kids do things I wonder if that was your first movie, how did it land not seeing the other Spider-Man movies? Mm. Ooh, that's a good question. Ooh, how, or, how, or did you, Captain Anel? We have lots of questions. They're like, who's this old guy in Spider-Man suit talking about Tobey <laughs> Maguire, even though he looks like he's like... <laughs> he that's a great question. <laughs> I wonder how that movie would land if you've never seen any Spider-Man movies. Like, is it still great? Because it's just like, oh yeah, they're just other Spider-Man. I get it. Like, you, you kind of get the... Yeah. They, they explain it, it pretty well. Would it translate if you just have no idea who Andrew Garfield or Tobey Maguire are? Huh. Uh, Bananas in Pajamas said Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, which means you're not only young, but you're British. <laughs> Um, and we've already established how we feel about that on this show. <laughs> yeah, Scotty don't, spoke don't, for himself. Don't let Jay Scotty hear about your bananas it's and sorcerer's stone, so and I won't he'll... hear anything else about it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I, I say British. It might have been philosopher's stone other places in the world. Too. I think I most really places know. actually. I think yeah. it was. This is what we fought for in the Revolutionary War. <laughs> <laughs> Just to call things different. Freedom fies and sorcerer's stones. That's what we have over here. <laughs> <laughs> Sunny Tetris said uh, The Page Master was my first movie Although my mom and aunt Took me and my cousins To a release of The Jungle Book But we were too terrible and had to leave early <laughs> I just thought that was cool Because uh, uh, Haley You said your first movie last week Was uh, was Page Master, correct? Yeah, yeah. and yeah. I think the question was First movie in the theater, is that right? Yes, yeah. yes, I'm sorry yeah. I- so First maybe um, our young and has seen the other Spider-Man movies. Yeah, yeah, very possible, <laughs> very possible. Uh, and Jay Scotty, you said right before we started, you're that was also yeah. Your I'm part movie, of the right? Page Master gang as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is okay. Like, you know, like the sharks and the jets, like they're snapping, and then you guys just come in like flapping books, like. <laughs> Like just opening and closing your your books or cleaning your glasses, whatever. Uh, Brandishing bookmarks. <laughs> yeah. Randomly so, turning into animated characters. Okay. As Waterfall Angel says, I think Titanic, which I feel like is um apropos this week. Bad timing. Bad no, bad timing. Talk about it. I think I think Waterfall Angel might have posted that before the Titanic uh, sub- submersible mm. disaster. Uh, so uh, <sighs> one of you, one of you guys said this before the show started. But another thing in the I guess this is entertainment news. It's fine. Uh, was that <laughs> my heart will go on hit number one this week after oh, the submersible up disaster? The Spotify polls. Yeah, <laughs> rocketed. People are streaming that song like crazy. 
it's, it's just too so much. much. It's too much. It's like, too much. this species does not see in heaven if it exists. Yep. Is nope. Celine going to donate those proceeds to, like, some sort of to water who? charity? <laughs> She's just donating it to water. Hey, people need water in the world. That's a real issue. I, I, I know, I know. I just, it's just like... <laughs> There's actually a charity called Water, I think. Billionaires and submersibles, they need your money. Please send it in. Please send your money, Celine Dion, to, to billionaires and submersibles. My heart will go on for Celine Dion. That's the gift that keeps on giving. Mm. <laughs> okay, uh... Moving on to the lightning round. <laughs> this is where we finish up the show by hitting some uh, stories that weren't big enough to talk about in their full uh, segment glory. <laughs> but we're just going to cover them real quick. And the way we do that is when I read the story, you chime in with your name as your buzzer. And then uh, we, uh, we will quickly, one of you will get to respond to each story. And then once per lightning round, you get one rebuttal. So get ready with your buzzers. 12% of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Haley's upset at Ryan Doze from last week. Know, we're all guilty oh, yeah. of this. <laughs> oh yeah, we we are we are. But last week you were like Ryan, no, Ryan, that's your second time. Like, Ryan, I asked you to be on here. Come on. Oh <laughs> uh, no, Ryan was awesome. By the way, check check yes, out his was. show across the Bifrost, a Mighty Thor um, podcast. All right, uh, a Mighty Thor podcast. That's right. Yeah. Uh, up next, we have uh, up in the lightning round. Starting off, we have. Apple TV Plus dropped the official trailer for The Beanie Bubble, a film starring Zach Galifianakis and Elizabeth Banks, telling the story of the Beanie Baby phenomenon of the mid-1990s. The film is set to debut on July 28th. Jay, Haley? I'm getting... Uh, <laughs> did you get it first? <laughs> this might be the thing that makes me get Apple TV Plus, because I watched the <laughs> unhinged documentary about this on, I think it's HBO, I think is what it's on, and uh, it's wild, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting in That's here, awesome. I'm, I'm responding or whatever, I can't promise yeah. I won't do it later too, uh, but uh, yeah, I got an <laughs> a- I still got all my Beanie Babies up in my parents' attic, like... Um, I was told that these were going to be basically stocks and that they were going to pay for my college education. So, like, <laughs> what the hell, first of all? Uh, but also, like, the story of how they built this and then pumped it up as being uh, this totally legitimate thing that you could invest in, like, property and people bought it is insane. And there, it's begging for a movie. And I love Elizabeth Banks and Zach Galifianakis as the leads in it. Like, that's a great pair. Um, I'm, I'm in on this. Like, I don't have Apple TV Plus uh, either. I uh, kind of backed away from it after Ted Lasso, you know, for, for a bit and, and uh, Severance. But I'm going to boot it back up. I'm going to get back in when, uh, when these films start hitting. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I'm in. Uh, up next, Sony removed the Bad Bunny-helmed Spider-Man spinoff El Muerto uh, from their calendar of future films. Scotty. Oh. Matt. Go for it, Scotty. Uh, Go I'm for sure it. you have something better to say, but I was just going to say, so El Muerto is <laughs> Muerto. And, uh, you know... <laughs> pro- <laughs> Don't make me use my response for that. Pro- just, it's, it, 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 <laughs> you know, it's, it's probably a good thing. Like, this was one of the, like, Sony... Spider-Man spinoff characters that had me scratching my head the most. Like I had never even heard of El Muerto, the son of a luchador. Uh, I just didn't really know what the interest in this one was. I I will give you know credit. Apparently, this was going to be the first Marvel film to feature a Latino lead. So in that regard, I, I you know commend the 
representation and diversity, and hopefully there'll be another opportunity for that um, milestone to take place. But I don't think this one was ever going to be successful in my eyes. So probably good in the long run for Sony anyway. Mm. All right, Justin Roiland, who was recently let go from his voice acting duties on Rick and Morty, has also been replaced as the voice of Corvo on Hulu's Solar Opposites. I love Solar Opposites. I think it has overtaken Rick and Morty as my favorite Justin Roiland-associated show. And uh, I never would have seen Dan Stevens coming from you know a mile away, but I also love Dan Stevens. I think he was really great in Legion, so... Uh, if you're going to replace Justin Roiland, uh, Dan Stevens is a pretty good choice. I have no idea what he's going to bring to the table, but I'll be tuning in when season four comes out. Sweet. Um, it was reported that soon-to-be famous motorcycle stunt from the upcoming movie Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 uh, was filmed on the first day of shooting in the event that Tom Cruise died during the stunt. Matt. <laughs> um, <laughs> I uh, I can't. I have such a advantage. I always try to pause for a second because I know there's like a delay. I'm but like, let I, Jay have this one. <laughs> oh, I well, can't believe you take Tom Cruise from me. <laughs> no, go ahead. <laughs> I just think this is a, a really good marketing. Like I don't know that this yeah. is even true. It may or may not be true, but it's great marketing. It, it's it's like when a haunted house makes you sign a. Uh, you know, like a like a oh, you might have a heart attack. You better uh, sign this thing, and it like sets you up to be even more scared. It makes you feel like the thing is scarier. Um, but maybe it's true, and maybe it's uh, just as legit. But like, I think it's just really good marketing. You know how they make the joke about the guy that like sits uh, when you're watching a movie, and they're like, "Hey, you know where else you've seen that guy? He's also in this." Like, that's me. First of all, like <laughs> I do that. Uh, but also, my new thing now is every time that commercial is on, I, whoever I'm with, I'm like, "Hey, do you know Tom Cruise? Like, actually did that stunt? That's not a green screen." And I think I've told my wife that like seven times. And the other night, she was like. I know it's uh, you've told me this like five <laughs> times, like stop telling me this, but I'm like, it's just so cool though. Like Tom Cruise. But is now awesome. you can add this. <laughs> yeah. You're the Lord of the Rings meme where really, uh, though, you're yeah. watching the movie and Viggo Mortensen kicks the helmet. Did you know that he broke his toe? <laughs> that, that's me. Yeah, that is me. You're that guy. <laughs> Netflix is revising how it reports its top 10 rankings by providing an estimated viewership for weekly charts and extending the time of measurement from 28 days to 91 days. Matt, I, I think this is really, really interesting. Um, for a long time, there's just been a lot of talk about Netflix and how, like, it's just a black box, knowing, like, what what their top ten, like, how, what their numbers look like at all, you know? Like, um, so I think it's really interesting for any streaming service to release its numbers. And um, now, whether they'll be trusted or not, I don't know. People, <laughs> what does a view mean? Does it mean someone watched 30 seconds of it? Like, will we have all the data or will it just be, you know, some basic, like, you know, 1,400 people clicked on this to read the description or whatever. Like, 1,400. I don't know why I said 1,400. That's ridiculous. <laughs> 14 million is probably more accurate. Um, it, it's just it's interesting, and I, I'm interested to see if other streaming services follow suit and what that will mean for the industry. And, like, our, our this show will be able to actually say, like, how does this movie on Netflix stack up against this movie in theaters? You know, those kinds of questions that we haven't been able to answer up until now. Black Panther Wakanda Forever star Tanakh Huerta has exited the upcoming Netflix project Fiesta en la Madriguera after a sexual assault claim was made against him. Jay, um, 
Spanish was very good, first of all. I know you were nervous about saying Hey, it. thank um, you. You know, thought you nailed it. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, if, uh, if you're following this case, it's kind of like whenever Jonathan Major's publicity team dropped him, like this is kind of... You're, you're seeing the mm-hmm. kind of things happening in this camp too. So again, it's, we've said it every time and we'll continue to say it. We're, we're in no place to give our opinions on what this means for films. It's too early. We're also in no place to judge who's in the right and who's in the wrong because we don't know anything, but it is just uh, something to follow and to kind of see with the trajectory that it's going. If um, Tanaka Huerta is already exiting a film, then that doesn't necessarily bode well for his image going forward. And whatever that means legally is a whole different conversation. But, um, you know, Marvel studios is, uh, they've got, I mean, this is a, this is a mounting problem that they're going to have to deal with, not just with Tanaka Huerta, but also with Jonathan majors, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Even though I didn't even chime in, I'm going to respond and just say, yeah, yeah. Like two of the (laughs) most, like (laughs) two of the like biggest, you know, villains slash characters that would move forward in these franchises are now facing these allegations. And it's just like, what do you do? What do you do? Like, we've talked for, you know, 10 years about when would they introduce Kang and when would they introduce Namor? I'm sorry, Namor. Um, And like, uh, sorry, I love the way they say it in the movie. Like, I've just said my, you know, little Alabama guy has been saying Namor for his entire life. And so, Namor, I just really like it. Um, But you finally introduce them and this happens and it's just like, what do you do? Like, there's the, they feel like they were going to be the basis for the next phase. You know, they're like the building blocks we need to put in place to care about these characters moving forward. Just like those first few movies in phase one built towards the Avengers. These are the movies that are going to build towards the next big events. And it's like, if we lose those bricks they've been building with, it's just going to be, it's going to be wild. This topic is getting a little more play than I anticipated. So I'll take the opportunity just to chime in as well. Um, I read the article, and I think the interesting thing here is that maybe there were some lessons learned from the Jonathan Major situation because this was spun very much as Tenac Huerta taking the initiative. Like, he said he was exiting this role as to not make the other people that worked on this film suffer for any allegations around him. So he did not make any admission to any wrongdoing. He kind of actually came out against his ex and spun her as an embittered ex, just kind of, like, trying to, you know, put things out in the limelight. So, again... We don't know all the details, so we don't know if if he's coming from a place of truthfulness or not. I just did think it was interesting that it's not necessarily, and you know, maybe he's just listening to what the PR team is telling him because they haven't dropped him at this point. They're they're trying to play a little bit more of a coy, smart game here. But I I do think it's just interesting these two events happening in such close proximity that they're kind of having him be a lot more vocal than we've seen Jonathan Majors be at all. Yeah, mm. that's a good point. Yeah. Haley, you're not allowed to talk. We've all used our responses. You don't have to talk on this one. <laughs> so, so wow. <laughs> I'm going to respond to everything now. <laughs> so I just felt like everyone was like, yeah, yeah. And Haley was silent. And like, we're all like, cause we all used ours. Okay. Uh, Sony, Sony dropped the trailer for dumb money, a film that will tell the story of the GameStop stock value shenanigans that took place in January of 2021. Nick Offerman, Pete Davidson, America Ferreira, Paul Dano, Sebastian Stan, and more are set to star. Scotty. Yeah. I feel like the director, Craig Gillespie, kind of went to the school of Adam McKay when it comes to taking like real world events and, and dramatizing them and making them like toe this line between, you know, commentary and 
social commentary and being kind of tongue in cheek and having some humor because um, his previous outing, I, Tanya, I really enjoyed. And then I know he did the, the series Pam and Tommy on Hulu, which also had uh, Sebastian Stan. But this oh. is a, a stacked cast. Um, I really like what I saw. I love Paul Dano. So kind of having him being a leading man and really able to show off some of his chops was great. And I got to say, like, Pete Davidson is a, usually a hard sell for me. So for me to be this on board with as much as we're seeing of Pete Davidson, like, it's it's doing something right. So uh, I'm excited mm-hmm. for this one. Yeah, but Pete Davidson as, like, an idiot stock bro <laughs> yeah. who listens to those. So that just feels yeah, perfect. It, does. it feels so it right does. on. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Prosecutors have accused Rust Armor Hannah Gutierrez-Reed of tampering with evidence by handing off drugs to another person on set on the day of the fatal shooting of cinematographer Helena Hutchins. Matt. Uh, yeah, uh, just continuing this like really sad saga, and it does sound very much like um, a lot of inappropriate stuff was going on with the armor. I've heard multiple different like takes on what, what the, the sort of things that were going wrong on that set. Um, and just the, like live ammunition should have never been present and live ammunition and drugs. It sounds pretty rough. Again, these are all just allegations at this point, but if any of this is, if this is the case, it sounds pretty, like pretty clear liability. Um, so, mm. Casino Royale director Martin Campbell revealed in an interview with Express UK that Henry Cavill had a tremendous audition for the role of James Bond and would have been cast if Daniel Craig didn't exist. Haley, like it was going to be a contest. (laughs) Um, (laughs) This is super interesting, and having just watched Mission Impossible Fallout, because we're Mm. recording about it tomorrow, I kind of... I don't know how I would or wouldn't have liked that. Um, of course, he would have been a lot younger back then. He would have been kind of a baby. And so he might mm-hmm. have been able to play the role even longer than Daniel Craig did. Um, I'm sure he would have been fantastic. He's charming and he's super gorgeous and he's all the things that our cinematic James Bond needs to be. And But now I just don't know. I wonder if um, you know they need to move the needle a different direction going forward. Paddington in Peru, the third Paddington Bear movie, will begin filming next month, and several stars are in talks to be a part of the cast, including Antonio Banderas, Olivia Colman, Emily Mortimer, and Rachel Ziegler. Jay, you know, all you all wanted to take this out of the lightning round, and I was the only person who stood up in defense of Paddington in Peru and said, no, let's keep it. Because you were standing between Paddington and Oblivion, you alone. So I got you, Paddington. You know, in the future, I'm going to keep, uh, when the trailer drops for Paddington in Peru, I'm going to be right there. You know, I'm going to be tossing it right into Multiverse News. She's going to be on a, doing a live. Yeah, this is my this is my bit now that I'm going to commit to. It's Paddington in Peru. News. <laughs> yeah, we've kind of fallen off of Pedro. <laughs> <laughs> I know Pedro news has gone so quiet. I got to have a different bit. Yeah. <laughs> Jay is the thin felt line. <laughs> um, okay. Samuel L. Jackson revealed that once upon a time, his script for Avengers was stolen from Marvel Studios production offices, uh, which led the company to set up a fake buy after the script was put online for sale. 
Since then, security around Marvel drastically increased, even to the point of shooting down drones that attempted to capture set photos. Matt. Haley. <laughs> you go for it, Haley. Um, so it's all Samuel L. Jackson's fault, the way that everything is at Marvel yeah, now. That was my thought, exactly. It's like, no, this is just, Samuel L. Jackson's like the origin story of Marvel's insanity. I love it. What's the meme of like Kevin Feige on the roof with the sniper rifle? Like, that's yeah. this, you know? It's, also, it's this made me feel like another, like, Adam McKay style, or like, be, almost like the Beanie Baby, like, tone like i would love to see or the beanie bubble tone like i would love to see that tone with this story of like marvel getting crazy because like a fake buy like a sting operation to yeah. get the script back like it all sounds so much uh-huh. fun why can i see the actor from oh what's his name um killing sir or marshall is that or forgetting sir forgetting or marshall? jason siegel <laughs> Jason Siegel killing Sarah Marshall. Why That's a I totally different Siegel movie. In this movie for no reason. It just popped into as my head. Kevin Feige. <laughs> no, just, I don't know. I can kind of see him as Kevin Feige. He shaves his head. I can That's see it. As far as the thought went. Yeah, I want to. Yeah, I want to see. I, I want to see the movie killing Sarah Marshall now. <laughs> <laughs> I've only seen it like once. I don't know what it's okay. called. I, that is so funny because forgetting Sarah Marshall is my. My favorite comedy. I used to say it's my favorite comedy. I don't know. It's been a long time now, but like I love that movie. I love it, love it, love it. It just it cracks me up in a way almost no other movie does. And like uh, <laughs> just calling it like a dark version of that movie is so funny to me. Where he's like he's like the jilted lover who's trying to kill her <laughs> instead of just like yeah. you know move on. Kristen Bell was supposed to join the MCU but wouldn't sign the NDA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. According to Kevin Smith, Warner Brothers was planning to make an adaptation of the fan-favorite Batman Beyond series starring Michael Keaton. Since the Flash movie hasn't performed well at the box office, the project has apparently been taken off the table. Haley? Go ahead, Haley. I I think this is okay. I think this is a really good thing because Batman Beyond is extremely beloved, especially in the way the batman animated series is and i oh my god i can just like hear in my brain not just because a firework went off the uproar that people would have had even though it was michael keaton i I just don't think it would have been the right thing or the right time especially when we're just not even established with the dcu yet like let's let's hold off on that (laughs) you just made me think of something and i'm gonna take a response even though i don't have one left uh we're down to one person at the time you guys (laughs) Yeah, we we are we've definitely ruined that tonight. But uh, you know what they really should do? Like James Gunn's great and all, love James Gunn, but they should give the head chair to Bruce Tim. Like just like of 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 the DCU, like let him be the guy like who's masterminding stuff. Still give things to like people like Gunn and whoever to like make great movies out of, but like Bruce Tim, he's the person who has done this before for DC in such a great way with the animated series and Batman Beyond. And like, if they make a Batman Beyond movie, which I would love to see, I'm sad that this didn't, this isn't happening, especially with Michael Keaton. Maybe there's still time uh, to do it in, in the future because ba- in Batman Beyond, he is old. He is mm-hmm. very, he's like, like very, just like <laughs> on a on a game, just really like that. <laughs> I, I, I love I love that movie. That's a show. If you're going to go the Bruce Tim route, I think you have to have Paul Dini alongside him to kind of rein him in. Because when we've seen Bruce Tim do his own thing in recent years, he's don't get me wrong, I appreciate everything he's brought into the animated universe, but uh, 
he's shown not to have the best judgment in every situation. That's all I'll say. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I just mean their their team. Sure, I'm, sure. I'm good with. I'm definitely good with that that whole yeah, team coming no back. Um, they 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 came back to help write the. Uh, um, I don't know if it's both of them or just Bruce. T- I don't know which one it was. I get them both confused. Uh, but they came back to write the uh, on the Arkham games, and I love those oh, games yeah. too. <laughs> A very different medium, very different uh, setup, very different tone, but it's they're still great. They're still just understand those characters and how they should mm-hmm. interact, and I just love them. I think Batman Beyond would be amazing. I just wouldn't want it to have um, what some people would call the stink of the Flash on it. I think yeah. it needs to be mm. in a better established place. That sucks. The cynical side of me thinks that these are all just like feelers that were put out to try to get more people to go see the movie. Like, uh, hey guys, uh, if you all go see it, we'll make a Ma- Michael Keaton Batman Beyond. You guys want that? You guys like that? You know, just to try to see if they get more people to go see it. It's like, <laughs> like wait, wait, you, you will get desserts if you eat your vegetables. Come on. Uh, no, I, yeah. All right. Hollywood Walk of Fame class of 2024 has been announced, and the inductees include Chadwick Boseman. Uh, Kevin Feige, Gal Gadot, and Michelle Yeoh. Matt, these are all people that I love. Um, you know, obviously Chadwick stands out having passed and uh, in, in such a tragic way. Kevin Feige deserves it beyond measure for what he's brought to film. Like, he, even if I didn't like the movies, like what he's done for fi- what he's done to film in a way, because I think in a lot of ways, the Kevin Feigefication and the universification of everything has been negative for the overall movie industry. But the reason it's been so w- rampant is because, uh, he's, he's so amazing. He's so amazing at it. And they've done so well at Marvel. Uh, Gal Gadot, uh, she, she's awesome. I, I, she's, she, to me is the, one of the younger and like less, uh, less established person on this list, but Michelle Yeoh, um, if it hadn't been for everything ever at once this year, I might not have been as excited, but she's so amazing in that. She's great on everything, uh, but like everything I've Crouching seen her in. Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Tiger. <laughs> Star Trek, Star Trek, uh, Star Trek uh, Discovery. And, and she's, she's supposedly slated to make a movie uh, based on her character from Star Trek. So that's exciting too. Yeah. Um, sorry. I had, had to book in with Star Trek. I had to bring it back. Um, <laughs> but yeah, love Michelle Yeoh. And, you know, she really did like, I think, I think that, Everything ever at once was uh, was a like crowning achievement of her career in like a character way. She does so much in that movie and so many different versions and interesting things with the character. I, I really, I, I, I just love that movie. I just love that movie and anything that involving it. I'm, I'm here. I'm here for. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's multiverse news for this week. Uh, was there anything in the chat, uh, Haley? Did you were you paying attention? Yeah. We had one good one from TJ Stafford, a ardent listener of all Ooh, of our nice shows. Word. TJ. And TJ said, I feel like this Superman could be a role similar to Chris Evans' Steve Rogers, a man with a decency that is often considered old-fashioned, so this old-timey-looking actor could be perfect if done right. Mm, absolutely. TJ with the insights. Always. <laughs> TJ with the insights. I, it's, it's his nickname from now on. We'll remember. I promise. <laughs> Uh, okay, <laughs> we are the Multiverse News guys. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Uh, let's uh, run around the around the room. I don't know what this is, but uh, Haley, tell them where they can find you online. Uh, you can find me at Source Pages. We literally just dropped our first episode covering the Secret Invasion 2008 run. We'll be doing Secret Invasion comics for three weeks, so check us out everywhere you can find podcasts. 
And Jay Scott. Yeah, when I'm not, uh, you know, insulting our neighbors across the pond or groveling to the robot overlords, <laughs> you can find me over on Animation Deliberation where we take action animation and cartoons seriously, but not too seriously. And as discussed very much so on this episode, it is a wonderful time to be a fan of animated content. Mm. And Jay Sisson. I'm a co-host of Commute the Podcast, a weekly educational show where we try to make you smarter in 20 minutes uh, on your way to work. Um, also, I wanted to mention that Multiverse News is on Twitter and on Instagram. So if you're a listener and uh, you want to come check out socials, we post you know, updates or news stories and when we're going live and things like that. So come follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Please do that. And uh if you want to follow me, the week to this week, the way the place to do it is the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. Uh, we are covering Secret Invasion, baby! It's very exciting. Uh, the first episode was awesome. Um, uh, you know, I just thought that like the humanity that that intro brought to the whole thing was really, really good and touching. Um, and so go see, go to our Secret Invasion coverage. Nobody laughed at my joke. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can't talk to you joking. <laughs> Okay, well, I did a good job. I was trying to be very sincere. Oh, the humanity. Um, <laughs> oh, the humanity. Uh, but no, uh, no, it's a great a great show, and we're really enjoying covering it. So if you've been like a little checked out because of Phase 4 or whatever people didn't like as much, uh, come back. Uh, Secret Invasion is going back to the kind of like the old school Marvel thing. It feels very much in tone, similar to uh, Winter Soldier. And so if you like that sort of thing, Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast will be live right here every Wednesday, so Tuesday and Wednesday at 7.30. Stranded Panda shows right here on twitch.tv slash strandedpandatv um, and in the Marvel Cinematic Universe feed. So thanks for hanging out with us today, guys. Peace. And for all of us here at Multiverse News, you stay classy, Multiverse.